Hey, good evening, everyone. It's great to see you all. Looking beautiful this evening, might I add. For those who don't know me, my name is Nate Lee D'Souza, born and raised here in Pinelands. And yeah, I have the awesome opportunity to share with you what God has been doing in and through my life in the last three years. So for those who don't know, I was commissioned by PBC as a missionary to go out and join OM for the last three years. I did a six-month six training and then it spent two and a half years on the Logos Hope. So just so you know what this evening is going to be about, it's not going to be just you sitting here and listening. We're going to get a bit interactive at some points. There's going to be videos. There's going to be question times. It's going to be a bit of explanation of what the ship is all about. And then eventually there'll be some encouragement and times of prayer. So be ready to engage a bit. So I just want to welcome you on board the Logos Hope. All right, let me tell you a funny story so long. So I was in Lesotho, in a village. No one there has heard the gospel. We are chilling, me and my friends, who are there for two weeks, out sharing the gospel with these people, living in a little tent. I was a vegetarian at the time. By the way, no longer vegetarian. Saw the light. Amen. First testimony of the evening out the way. I made a bean curry. And this bean curry is pretty good, except, you know, beans, beans are good for your heart, but they make you fart, right? That's the old saying goes. Um, so we, we're having a good time, letting some gas go, occasionally having some good laughs. And I had this friend who's a really big guy from Finland, like real Viking, like with the beard and everything. And this guy was like a monster when it comes to like letting it rip, you know. So I'm in this tent and we'd leave the tent open to like kind of cool it out because it's very hot. <laughs> and, but the problem is flies would come in in the day and they're just kind of like chill above us in the night, like just a bunch of flies. So I'm in the sleeping bed. I'm, I'm really tired, long day of ministry. Um, and then this guy comes in. He closes the flipping tent. He's like, oh, I uh, really need to fart. <laughs> and it just lets a nasty one rip and just farts super loud. And I'm like dying. It smells so bad. And then eventually I just, I feel something hit my face. And I look up and I just see all these flies start to fall down. <laughs> that is a story of how a Finnish guy killed some flies with his fart. <laughs> yeah. The flies were finished after that, yeah. <laughs> How's that video coming along? Okay. It's a bit messed up. Next story. Okay, cool. Here we go. We can tell, tell a bit of a... Let's go into more of a serious story. How about that? So, I am currently in Guyana at this point in time um, on the ship. And it's the first port where we're in an English-speaking country. We'd been in Brazil, where I would literally go on the streets with Google Translate, because my Portuguese is very broken, <laughs> uh, and just like try and communicate with people, because they don't really speak English there. Um, and so finally, we're in an English-speaking country. And we, we have this, basically the ship, well, you'll hear more about it, but it's like a bookship. People come on board and buy books and things like that. And while people are in a line, we'd, we'd get out and we'd start worshipping on the quayside and we'd have an opportunity to share testimonies and things like that. Um, and I just noticed this one guy. 
I don't know why. There was thousands of people, but this one guy just stood out to me. And so I went, and I was speaking to him, and I just asked him, man, how are you doing? And just getting to know him. And this guy just starts sharing that he's like in a really rough spot, that he was you know, thinking of taking his own life, and like just things weren't going well for him. So then I'm just able to, to share a bit of my story about how you know, I also struggled with depression and thought I was going to take my life at one point until God came and he found me. I shared the gospel with him. And it was just a moment where like, God just really touched his life because afterwards he, he gave his life to the Lord and gave, got him a Bible and we got him plugged into a church and I've been in communication with him to this day. And now he's still following the Lord and he's still, yeah, just w- having that sense of like will to live, will to live for the kingdom. Um, so that's just like one of the many day-to-day stories that happen on the ship. So I'm going to leave this video. I'm very sorry. Hopefully the other videos work, but let's get on. So essentially, I was on board this ship. Let's see if the picture works. It's called the Logos Hope. And what they stand for is knowledge help and hope. They come to bring or share knowledge, help and hope. So what is knowledge, help and hope? So knowledge, by the way, that's a picture in our book fair. Um, So we are the largest floating book fair in the whole world. And do you know how you become the largest floating book fair in the whole world? You're the only floating book fair in the whole world. (laughs) So we bring knowledge through the books we bring. We bring very cheap literature, mostly educational stuff and Christian stuff and Bibles and things like that into countries that could normally not really afford good quality literature. So that's the first way we bring knowledge. The second way is we, we do all sorts of trainings, both educational and spiritual. Um, so, for example, I was involved in um, training people in human trafficking, not, not to human traffic other people, but to be aware of human trafficking. Um, and just a quick story about that. We were um, in Latin America, or South America, should I say, and we are doing this training, and all of a sudden, this guy stands up, and he's like, oh my goodness, I know someone who's being trafficked right now. And he just left, and like, he came back the next day and told us, like, this guy, he got this guy out of human traffic. Like, he was about to get trafficked by a friend, dodgy situation, and because of the training, he was finally aware, and this person, he literally saved this person's life. Um, so that's another way which we kind of bring knowledge. And then the third way we bring knowledge is we bring knowledge about the least reach. Now, quickly, give me a hand up if you understand what the term least reached means. Okay, all right. So we're going to run through this, okay, guys? So I need your help. This is where we get a bit interactive, okay? So I need you to click at a steady beat for me. It's going to go... Okay, don't speed that up. So if we take a look at the world here, right, we see a little window. We're going to come back to that in a second. But picture every single person in this room representing the whole world. Nearly eight billion people, right? Okay, so then I'm going to get this first kind of section here. If you guys can all just stand up for me quickly. So these guys are going to represent 10% of our population, which is evangelical, Bible-believing, born-again Christians, okay? Thank you, guys. You can sit down. And then we're going to get 
Uh, this section, you guys all in the back there, if you can stand up for me. Yeah, that's perfect. So now we have what's called the, the nominal Christians. This represents about 20% of our world population at the moment. You guys are great. Thank you. Have a sat. Okay, this kind of middle section here, if you guys can stand up. There you go, Mexican wave. Thank you. You guys are representing what's called people who, who do not believe. They've heard the gospel but they kind of like have, they're wearing glasses. They can't really see the light. So they have access to the gospel, but they do not believe. You guys can sit down. And then everyone else up here, can you stand up for me here? This is going to represent about 40%, the last 40% of our population, which is called the least reached. It's about 3 billion people who have no access to the gospel, no church, no Bible in their language. And every click that you have just clicked is someone who has died in this place without hearing the gospel. You can stop clicking. Yeah, guys, clicking is serious business here. So, this is really deep. It's really serious. We've had the gospel for 2,000 years. The Great Commission to literally go and take the hope of Jesus to people. And 2,000 years later, there's still a third of our population, more than a third of our population that has no access to this good news. So what we were doing at the ship is we were going into churches and, and trying to mobilize the church, trying to see how we can impact this window right here. Those three billion people live within that window. It's called the four... four uh, I forgot it, 1040 window, there you go, 1040 window, uh, and in this region, not only is there no access to the gospel, but it's also some of the most harsh living environments, people living on an average of one dollar per day, extreme poverty, extreme challenges, the three main religions are usually Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, and the fourth one would be Chinese traditional religion, so a really tough place to go, but still a place we need to reach for the gospel today. Yes, question. Yes. So, actually, fun facts. Um, a lot of modern-day Europe is post-Christian society, and we actually find out that Spain, Portugal, a lot of these European countries are under 2% evangelical Christian at the moment. Uh, to give you perspective, that's very low because we are about 60 to 70% in South Africa. Also, by the way, if you have questions, feel free to raise your hand if I didn't say that already. But I will, I will ask at some points. Um, so, we bring hope. Uh, oh, sorry, we bring knowledge. And those are the three ways we bring knowledge. And now we bring help. And I'm supposed to have a video soon. Hopefully it works. But the three main ways we bring help is, number one, Let's go back here. We have what's called eyeglass ministry. So we would go into a place that, again, we're mainly working with poorer sort of nations, poorer sort of communities. So we go into these communities that don't really have access to a lot of things. And what we would do is we test their eyes. Uh, we have this whole kit and we get trained how to do it. We test their eyes to see you know, if people are blind. And those people who are blind, we give them a free set of glasses to help them to be able to see. And it's really incredible. I did this a few times. I remember this one time in uh, Abaco, which is an island in the Bahamas. It was recently destroyed by a hurricane. 
um, about a year ago. And so we like, I'm chatting with this lady, I'm doing the, the test with her and putting a pair of glasses on her and when she really like sees for the first time and just the smile on her face was just like incredible. Um, and just like a priceless moment that I'll never forget. The second way we do is just kind of like through practical work construction sort of thing. So I've been involved in building a library or building houses a few times. Uh, so for example, I was in Brazil and what we did is in this community, again, impoverished, doesn't have access to a school nearby or anything. We went and we spent two weeks building a library and then we filled that library with all the books we have on the ship um, just for free so people can have access to quality education, better life sort of thing. And then finally, you see these little water buckets here. Let's see if I can point them out here. Uh, how's this thingy work here again? There you go. So this is the water buckets. It actually has a water uh, filter, like sort of purifier on it. And it lasts about 10 years. So how it works is, I've used this thing before. It's pretty cool. Um, you basically get any sort of water and you put it through the, the purifier. It takes about like a couple of minutes to run through a whole bucket. And the water comes out super clean, and you can drink it, and it lasts about 10 years. And when it stops working, no water will pass through it. So it's not like people are ever going to have unclean water to drink. Um, so we went into a couple of places, especially in Brazil and in West Africa, where there wasn't like clean drinking water. And we just kind of get a bunch of these, teach people how to use it, uh, and then they have clean drinking water, which is pretty awesome. So those are three of the kind of mainstream ministries. This is a video. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't work. Does it work? Nothing? Okay. No problem. So we bring knowledge, help, and hope. Ultimately, the ship is a, is a Christian ship. It's filled with 400 volunteers from 60 different nations who all pay to come and serve work a full-time job, eight hours to ten hours a day, five days a week, and then a ministry day on top of that, all to bring hope. You know, we can do all these cool things. We can, we can do eyeglasses. We can do buckets. We can do whatever. We can build houses. But at the end of the day, we're here to make an eternal difference to people, not just make people think we are good people while they are perishing, but really to, to bring a sense of genuine hope through Jesus. And how we do that, number one, through outreach. So we send teams out into villages to go and to preach the gospel. Um, every day when you're done with work is an opportunity to go out on the streets. A bunch of us would always meet and regard after work and go share the gospel on the streets. Um, number two, we have community, uh, creative ministries. Uh, yes, I am a pirate, if you notice. Uh, it's actually a play I wrote, uh, a kid's play called The Greatest Treasure. And it's about a couple of pirates on a journey to find the greatest treasure. And they find the greatest treasure is God's word and the gospel. Um, very cool. So we have opportunities and events. So we have like stages and productions where we get hundreds of people on board. They buy a, a small cheap ticket to come and see a play like this and hear the gospel. Um, we have kind of like, this is a Chinese choir, so we do events outside the ship as well, uh, where somehow thousands of people come, it's pretty crazy. Um, here's, here's my jazz band that I was in, we would <laughs> play jazz and try to share the gospel through that, it's pretty, pretty awesome. 
Um, we had sports events. That's spike ball. We'll, we'll get to spike ball later. Special place in my heart. And the third, the third way is discipleship. Now, this took a bit more personal initiative, and for me, this was like my ultimate goal, uh, both to make disciples of people on shore and on board. On board, I walked with about 15 different people, which you'll meet in this PowerPoint, uh, and on shore, wherever we spend a significant amount of time, I was always trying to invest in at least a few people every day, meeting up with them, meeting up with their church, and trying to see if we can make disciples of Jesus of all nations. So this is a, a picture of me in a, in a local church. So I met this guy. His name is Michael Toure. He's in Sierra Leone. And he invited me to his church. And for a whole week, the pastor was just like, here's my congregation, <laughs> whatever you want. Um, so we just looked into missions. We looked into discipleship. We looked into the gospel. And this is just all after working hours. It's like every day I finish work and I go to this church. And it's just an incredible opportunity that the ship is for ministry and missions. Uh, these are some kids that I met in St. Vincent, and we met up once a week for a couple of months when I was there. Awesome kids. Um, and that's basically what the Logos Hope is all about. It's all about sharing knowledge, help, and hope. So let's get into a little bit about the, nitty, the little nitty-gritties. Um, feel free to ask questions along the way. But this is sort of what the weekly schedule would look like, the, the average week. So we have, as I mentioned before, everyone works five days at least minimum. Uh, when I was working in the, in the deck department, which I'll talk a little bit about, uh, sometimes you'd work seven days a week. Um, so it, it's, it's quite an intense working schedule. Uh, you have one ministry day, which what we call a connect day or a C day, and then one off day per week, if you're lucky. I'm kidding. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have what's called an equip session. Um, now, equip was kind of like basically a in spiritual investment to the volunteers of Logos Hope. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about equip because I ran equip on the ship for over a year. Uh, so it has a special place in my heart. Uh, Thursdays we'd have what's called family dinner. So when you join the ship, you actually join with 80 to 100 people and you come into a training facility outside of the ship and you bond and you, you, you do all sorts of things. And so basically you form a little family out of these 80 people. Everyone gets split up in different groups. And then once a week on a Thursday evening, we have what's called family dinner. So you just reconnect with your old, what's what we call pre-ship training or PST. So it's really special. So here's my, uh, my quite uh, funny family. I grew my hair out, as you can see here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, it's a wig. Um, so we have people from all over. Sebastian from Ecuador. We have Lizzie from uh, Germany. We have, two, we have a Brazilian here. His name is Mateus. Camila from Chile. Teresa from America. This guy kind of joined... <laughs> Like, I can't remember his name at all. <laughs> at that point, I was leaving, and we had a bunch of new people who joined, so I'm sorry. We have Nemo from Argentina, Gary from, uh, from the USA, we have Ana Paula from Brazil, also forgot this brother's name, but both of them are from Africa, they're from African steppers. So then Thursday night, we have a prayer night, we meet together for about two weeks, and we pray into global issues, current issues for the nations, we had some funny stories. They come out of prayer nights, even though it should be a bit more serious, but maybe I can share that a bit later. 
we have community events, so it's not just all you know serious. We we sometimes like to have fun and enjoy community life together. I think here in this picture I'm playing charades or some sort of thing. Can you guess what I'm describing, by the way? Anyone can guess? Hot dog, hot dog, nearly, it's a good guess. One more guess. Not pizza, not ice cream. Burger, no, okay, you guys, you guys have lost it. I think you need to see my, my salsa that I did with the, the taco I was trying to hold. <laughs> <laughs> then every week we'd have a Sunday service in the morning. This is a picture of us gathering on the, the, the highest deck. Normally we wouldn't do this, but we do this for Easter. So that's kind of like 300 people we gather for, for church every Sunday. Uh, and then in the night, we have very special worship time of about an hour to two hours sometime. Uh, we had a very huge worship culture on board. So every day, there's, there's definitely some worship happening, uh, which was very special. So my roles on board, what did I do What in terms of my work and things like that? So I joined the deck department, and for anyone who actually knows me, that is hilarious because I have like zero practical skills. <laughs> um, Uncle Pierre, I don't know if Uncle Pierre is here, but I can remember like right before I left, he was trying to help me like fix his tap and stuff. He was just patiently watching me like mess this thing up worse than, like, than it was, you know. And now I'm joining this department that's just totally practical. Like, it's just all working with your hands. So I spent my first year and a half in DEC. What happens is we get trained up. We get certified as seafarers for four weeks. We have to pass exams and things like that. It's pretty crazy. So that's me shaking the captain's hand as I graduate and become a seafarer. Um, it was a very, very practical job. The ship is full of rust, and as deckies, we are responsible for busting up that rust, cleaning it out, painting the ship. We're responsible for security, for the sailing of the vessel. Uh, we'd have what's called watches, where literally uh, every day, 24-7, 365, we have two watchkeepers. Or, or every, like literally every minute, there's a watchkeeper, both on the bridge and on the gangway, which is like outside the ship. And all they do is watch. They sit there for security purposes and watch. So for eight hours, all you do, you sit down. Sometimes you take a phone call. Sometimes you write something down in a book. But otherwise, you're doing nothing. <laughs> you're just sitting down. Uh, and you'd have a, a night shift as well. So 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. doing that. It's fantastic. Lots of hard work. So in my, in my job, I eventually get like a special routine uh, where I get a special job and I'm no longer working with the team, but I'm um, working by myself on a computer and I become a greaseman and all I do is I grease moving things. Very exciting. <laughs> so if you ever need anything greased, <laughs> I'm your man. <laughs> and then eventually I step into a new role. I become a team leader. So this is my beautiful team that I led for a while. Uh, introduce you here. That's me, by the way. Um, here's Toby from Germany. We have Stefan from Canada. We have Kara from uh, Scotland. Sarah from USA. Daria from Argentina. Atipa, that's a terrible picture of her. From uh, Zambia. Caesar from Somerset West. And then Elizabeth over here from El Salvador. Uh, and leading this team was 
incredible because my heart for during the ship was to be a missionary, was to make disciples. Working was kind of just this thing I had to do so I could do those things, you know. Uh, but Deck really taught me a lot about humility, about what it means to truly serve the King of Kings. And being a team leader was like the best of both worlds because now I had an opportunity to really invest in these guys and lead them not only in work, but uh, lead them towards Christ and disciple them. And we formed a really awesome connection. And these guys are really vibrant followers of Jesus. So there's our leadership team in the deck department. Uh, so obviously the officers that we have are licensed real seafarers who have real experience. Uh, all, most, all of them are Christians as well. Um, they're not getting paid to do the job. They come in to serve just like every one of us. Here's some pictures of some friends of mine who make some great friends in the deck department and have some fun times. From there, I moved into what's called people development. And people development is kind of like the department that looks after the spiritual well-being of the ship. So we're responsible for all spiritual trainings of, the vo of volunteers and people on board, as well as all community events. So we're in charge of the fun stuff and the awesome stuff. <laughs> um, so my role on board was... Um, basically to be team leader of people development. So this awesome team here, I worked underneath this amazing guy, Felipe, he was my manager. Otherwise, I was managing all these people and what they were doing. Um, and I oversaw all the spiritual trainings and inputs of the ship. And I was personally in charge of equip, uh, Bible studies, and ministry courses. And a ministry course is simply... We have a course of some form of ministry, for example, an Old Testament survey that would go for six weeks in the evening and you'd sign up to go for it. And I'd be the one who organized it or I'd be the teacher or something like that, um, very simply. Um, yes, that is everything. So I just want to mention this very special group of people. Um, part of my job in, in PD is also to sort of create programs and things like that. So one of the programs me and my very good friend Felipe uh, made was this program called Inside Out. And it was a discipleship program where uh, we took people out of work for two weeks and we, every day we discipled them through the hardest possible jobs we could do on the ship. I mean, we were talking about working in freezers for 10 hours a day, working in sewer pipes. We were in the tanks of the ship, busting up rust and enclosed in refined spaces, showing how teaching them valuable lessons of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and how we can glorify God with our everyday lives. And we ended this awesome program with a faith trip. We were dropped off 50 kilometers away from the ship in St. Vincent. No idea where the ship is. We're literally taken on a boat, so it's not like we even know the roads. Dropped off, no food, no money, no clothes. We have three days to get back to the ship and to do ministry along the way. And let me tell you, that was the most epic experience. Door to door, like literally we're walking kilometers, just finding people. Like I remember my one teammate, literally he just started making monkey noises. And some other random people started mon making monkey noises back. Next thing we know, we're standing in a group and we're sharing the gospel with them. It's just like crazy things like that. We, we hosted uh, a youth service and even a Sunday service. We led a Sunday service just meeting these random people. And they're like, come into our home. Here's food. Uh, come and do ministry. We led a kids program on the field. And we had like 300 kids. 
Um, and it was just like all word of mouth, all just in the moment, spontaneous things, just seeing God show up time and time again. Um, I was also very involved in the worship scene. I fell really in love with worship and with music. And so almost like at least every Sunday in some form I was on, on the keys or on guitar or something. Uh, also I was on a preaching roster, um, even though because this, this is hilarious. So this picture is actually not me preaching. <laughs> like this is <laughs> some like MC event or something crazy. But um, so every Sunday I was sent out to different churches to to share God's word at a church to try and mobilize them, share our missions. Um, and I shared in everything from like a little house church where there was like five people gathered in St. Vincent, or to like a mega church in the Bahamas where there was thousands of people and there was TV cameras and like it was it was pretty crazy. So awesome experiences. So let's take a look about where I went, and we're getting to some more cool stories. So I started my journey in Sao Paulo in Brazil, went to Rio de Janeiro, up to Salvador, and Belém, um, and went to these kind of four ports, uh, but started in Santos in Brazil. From there, from there we went into the Caribbean, went into Ghana, I mean, sorry, Ghana, Guyana, uh, which is actually part of South America, but is considered to be part of the Caribbean, uh, and then went into the Caribbean, a bunch of places, St. Lucia, uh, Barbados, uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, you know, really just suffering for the gospel here. It's like, yo, it was hard, eh, guys? It was hard, <laughs> let me tell you. At this point in time, COVID hits. So it's been about six months of very fruitful ministry. Um, and COVID hits all of a sudden. It's very uncertain time for everyone. We're in Jamaica. Eight cases come. We shut down the ship ministry completely. And for 121 days, we were stuck on the ship looking at that view. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get back to uh, lockdown in a second. Uh, after Jamaica, we went to Curacao. We went to uh, St. Lucia, a beautiful place. Uh, things started opening up a bit more. Uh, we went to Bahamas. We went to, okay, it's supposed to be another video. I don't know if it's going to work. No. So in total, I think we visited nine nations in the Caribbean during the time of lockdown. And they were really the only people that were open to us during lockdown. So we were slowly opening up and doing ministry, having people on board and sending our teams and doing things that were actually meaningful in COVID times. Then from there, we sailed 14 days across the Atlantic Ocean to West Africa, where you find myself in Sierra Leone. And from there, I ended my time, my last port in Ghana. So quite a journey there. I know this one side of the world pretty well. I uh, still have a whole nother other side to explore. But I want to start kind of looking a little bit about some fun and personal things, and then we get into some more detailed testimonies and stories and encouragements. So just so you know a little bit more about the ship and what we did, here's a group of my friends. They're very cool people. I hope you get to meet them someday. Um, these are some pictures of people I was very intentional with and walking with for actually many years. Um, I mean, one of, one of my friends in this group here, I met him at PST. He wasn't a Christian, and we walked together, and he became a Christian. 
and, and he left the ship after a year and a half. He's a German guy. And now he's heading to Bible college and seeking to do uh, missions full-time. The guy's just really on fire for the Lord. Um, so just really by being intentional, not doing much, nothing special, just making time for people, reading God's Word together, seeing real transformation happen in people's lives. Uh, so these are some really special people who I did Bible studies with and times of worship and met up with on individual levels. Uh, these are my South African friends who are really cool. Um, you might see them around at some point. Um, yeah, really special group of people uh, that I met at MDT. Here's uh, my mentor, Felipe Gomez. He was my manager at People Development. He's from Brazil, UK. Great guy, taking care of me even to this day. Uh, here's some pictures of some fun events we did, some worship times. Uh, even when we didn't have fancy venues or plugins, I had a blow piano and that <laughs> you know, it's like we did whatever we could to, to to worship God. We had some really funny events. This is like a rewind, 2020 rewind experience. It's kind of what it looks like when we're at the community and like just drawling and having a good time sometimes. Uh, there's my salsa dance. You finally get to see you in action. And that's what it looks like. The whole community, 400 volunteers, 60 different nations, all here to serve God and to preach and proclaim the gospel. Now, getting to Spikeball, the real nitty-gritty, the good stuff. So this is my friend David. Him and I, we played in three Spikeball tournaments on the ship. It was really fun. And if you do not know what Spikeball is, you're about to get your whole like, world shaped and changed a little bit here. So Spikeball is kind of like volleyball and hand tennis, kind of all put together in one. So you have this little uh, ball here that can t come off any part of your body, as you can see. And you have three touches between you and your partner to kind of get it onto the net. Oh, this is so sad. This is an epic video. An epic video that you cannot watch right now. Oh, my word. I'm so sad. Never mind. Sp Spikeball sucks. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. <laughs> I'm so sad. Okay. So I want to kind of wrap up my whole missions experience with one of my many experiences on board the ship, and it was towards the end of my time. Something I really wrestled with was we kind of moved month to month to, uh, to different ports and in interacted with different people all the time, and I really questioned, you know, what's the effectiveness of short-term missions? Why am I doing this, and how can I do this in a way that is really going to make a lasting change and impact to people? So me and my friends, we have seven break days a year. We took our last six leave days from, from work and we went to a village in Sierra Leone, which is over here in West Africa, a place that is 70% Muslim. I think 20% Christian and out of that, I think it's like 5% evangelical. We lived with uh, a pastor and his wife and there should be a picture of there you go. This is at his house. His name is Moses. My friends are now matching outfits. Uh, we have Uliana from Russia, Josef from Germany, and Simon from Switzerland. We four, and this is basically the size of the church, by the way. So this massive village, tens of thousands of people. This is the only church. We slept in this little room with mosquito nets because it's a malaria-infested area. Didn't help. Still got malaria. <laughs> 
also got typhoid. <laughs> it was a rough week. But we went and we took these guys, this pastor who translated with us, and we went village to village, door to door, knocking on every possible door, trying to speak to every possible person we could about Jesus. We even went outside of the village and we hiked for, for 20 kilometers to reach people in, in the jungle area that are just living in farmlands, totally secluded from um, any form of civilization, basically. And what we would do is we'd meet people like this, Muslim families, who would then invite us in and we'd, we'd spend a night with them and we'd share a meal and we'd share our lives and we'd share the gospel with them and try to convince them of the goodness of God in Christ Jesus. We'd met up with the elders and we, we made a plan. So these are the elders of the church and our plan to, to make an effective time of uh, basically over a week in this village is that we were going to be fire starters. We, came, we were going to come in, we were going to start a bunch of fires, we are going to start a bunch of things and we are going to train them to be able to continue those fires to see them grow. So our initial plan was to reach half of the village with the gospel, seeking people of peace, seeking people who are open to the gospel, and from there, uh, inviting these people of peace to join what's called a discovery Bible study, which is basically a method that's made, invented for Muslims to discover Jesus through reading scripture. It's very simple. We just read a passage of scripture and we ask three very basic questions. And through that, God is working as it's really just his word that is speaking to Muslims' hearts. So after about a week of going door-to-door, even getting into some schools, this is a Muslim school that we spoke at three different times, which was really cool, and shared the gospel every time, very openly, very publicly, no problems there. We eventually have about 16 people in a Discovery Bible study group all split up in different smaller groups. And what we would do is we would lead it a couple of times. We would be with the church leaders. They would lead it while we were there a couple of times. And then they would lead it by themselves. And they continued to do this. Now, to this day, they're still doing it every week. And it went from 16 people to 30 people to 50 people currently who are meeting up every day to read God's Word and many of them are coming with the pastor to the church. And I want to tell you a special story about this guy over him, over here. <laughs> His name is Ibrahim. And he, in fact, is a, or was, a imam. So in Sierra Leone, although many people are Muslim, because there's no real sense of education, people don't read, people don't actually go to mosque, so they're not very committed Muslims, but they're just Muslim by identity. But here we have this young man who actually was a scholar, <laughs> like an uh, uh, Islamic scholar. He was sent uh, to study the Quran, to become an imam. He was on his way. And he just randomly appears at a Bible study. <laughs> and we're reading John chapter 3. And after reading it, he's just like, I need to accept Jesus and be born again. So then I invite this guy every day while I'm there to meet up with me personally and we study through John together and we get to John chapter 14 and he comes to his own conclusion that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life and that he needs to reject Islam to be able to follow Jesus in order to know God. 
And now this guy, I left him in the good hands of Pastor Moses. Pastor Moses, he, he literally went to his house every day, and I think he's still been going every day, being discipled by this pastor, and is going door to door to door, convincing Muslims for Christ. And that is a very short experience and summary of my time on board. And I want to say thank you so much for all those who supported me in prayer, for those who encouraged me, who sent me messages, for those who supported me financially. I literally couldn't have done any of this without you guys. And in a real way, although it's a lot of pictures of me up there, it's actually our ministry. It's not my ministry. It's the ministry of God's Spirit through the work of PBC. And I want you guys to recognize that. But I also want you to recognize that there's still work to be done. And I just want to end off with an encouragement here. I want to read one verse to kind of wrap things up for us as we close this evening. The verse is in Acts chapter 1. Very famous verse. You've definitely heard it before, I hope. It's verse 18. I mean, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to know that though you saw lots of pictures of me, though I'm holding this microphone right now and speaking in front of you, you might have some sort of mental placebo that I am some special person. But I want you to let you know that I'm not. I'm not a special person. And I'm, it's not because I'm special that all these things happened. But it's because we serve a special God who gives us a special power in the person of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission He has given us. This mission that stands on the backbones of the gospel. That Jesus came while we were sinners. While we broke His law, standing before a judge condemned, He sends His Son to take our penalty through his perfect life is able to perfectly represent you and I. And his righteousness is given to us and our sin is given to him and the punishment we deserved is on him. And now we have peace with God. Someone paid our debt and we stand before the judge and he declares us innocent, justified. And better yet, because Jesus rose again, conquering sin and death, the judge takes off his cloak and he looks at you and me and he calls us son and daughter. Come into my family. Come into my kingdom. And this is what Jesus is saying right after he's risen. Maybe the most important thing he would ever say is that special power of the person of the Holy Spirit, God living inside of us, if we believe this good news, is going to be the very person who's going to do this work and make disciples today is Jesus himself through the person of the Holy Spirit. We are not making disciples, but God is making disciples today. God is impacting lives today. You see, if I was under a rabbi and he died, my legacy was to continue his uh, work through my own efforts as I would have to try and represent my rabbi. But since my rabbi is alive, Jesus is alive, we are simply facilitating other people bringing them with to our rabbi's feet as we too bow there as well. Such a humble position, such a simple thing. And it doesn't require being a special person. 
but it requires the special person of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, this can be accomplished. So my question to you and how we're going to end tonight is in a time of prayer. Because I believe that although not everyone here is called to go to these places, not everyone here is, that's the reality. But there's definitely people who are called to go to these places in this room that are not going as well. And that's also a reality. So we need to pray. Pray to the Lord right now. And ask God, how do you want to use me? Are you calling me to go? Or how are you calling me to live my life as an overflow of God's grace so other people can be impacted either here or over there because either way you are salt and light to this earth. And God desires to use you. So let's just enter into a time of prayer, really seek the Lord, ask him, God, how do you want to use me? Because I promise you, he does. Let's go into a time of prayer. And then maybe we can just pray all together out loud and cry out for the nations that God would send his gospel, that he would send his workers into the nations and bring his salvation. And that, that great picture of Revelation 7 9 would be complete as we stand with every tribe, every tongue, every nationality in the throne room praising God. Let's just lift our voices now and let's pray for nations, praying for Japan, praying for Muslim nations, praying for Afghanistan. Let's lift our voices right now. So, Father, we come before you and we recognize your glory. We recognize the beauty of your one and only Son. We recognize your great love that is demonstrated for us in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we, we think of how precious and valuable this news is to us. And we pray that it would transform our lives. And with the gifts that you give us in our personality and your spiritual giftings through the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show us and reveal us these things so that we may use them in your kingdom effectively, that the grace that you've given us would overflow to those around us, whether it's here or whether it's to the nations. And we just lift up every nation, every tribe, every tongue that does not know you, and we proclaim that the gospel would reach these people. We pray for workers to be sent in the hardest of places. We pray that you raise up people, even here, right now, that you'd stir hearts to go to places that maybe you can't even find on a map, Lord just to reach a place with the gospel. And we pray for revival, and we pray that this world would know you and believe in you, the one true God and creator. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.